Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. So to break the ice, so to speak, they uh, rolled up these big bombers and um, sort of had to have the ritual of, you know, smoking these to sort of bond before everybody felt comfortable. Uh, and if that's the situation I'm recalling, I remember uh, being overwhelmed by the size and the potency. And I had like one hit and then I faked it. I, I pulled to Clinton. I, I, I breathed <laughs> it in, but I didn't inhale. Something like that. I could be a little off in that. But wow. something like that. But I mean, um, you know, obviously super talented. Uh, uh, the the music, you know, that they created was way ahead of its time, you know. And yet they were very diverse. If you listen to like HR's record, Human Rights, uh, you know, he's not just hardcore. He's not just uh, one trick pony. He's all over the map musically. He had a lot of influences. Uh, so, you know, he was musically very, very uh, diverse. And that's the artists that I appreciate the most, the ones who don't just fall into one style, but are willing to mix it up. How do you meet Jim Monroe? So he and I keep in touch. Uh, went to Del Mar with him last year, uh, a few months ago. Um, as I recall, and I think we might have shared the story, he contacted me just the way people used to do back then when you're looking for an internship, something along those lines. I think he was a TV cable repairman or something to that effect. Um, but I think he contacted me. He says, hey, he goes, I'm you know, looking for a, you know, a gig, could I in intern? Something to that effect. And my approach then, as now, was always to do face-to-face -face like you and I. You know, I told you in the email, I don't think the connection is <laughs> the same you know, on a phone call or certainly on a Zoom, whatever. Um, so I always, you know, well, let's meet, let's talk, because I feel like I can get to know people, you know. So I never, ever, ever book a session, not once, without meeting the band face-to-face, -face, where it's not just the music I'm listening to, but I'm just kind of sizing them up, you know, do I want to spend months and months in the studio locked in with these guys? Is this going to be a fun time? You know, am I going to be able to do a good job for them? So that's what I'm really sizing up, is just them as people. And luckily, I've only had maybe two or three negative sessions in my whole life. But that's why I do the face-to-faces that last usually a couple hours prior to any booking of any time ever. With Jim Monroe uh, and Paul Miner and Tepe and all the rest, similar situation, I would, you know, well, let's meet, let's talk, let's hang out for a little bit. So Jim and I met, and right away I could tell, you know, he was about the music. Back then I used to have a term I used called players, which took on a different connotation later on. But to me, a player... So, Mike, Popeye, Jeff Ace, uh, uh, Rosas. Steve uh, Soto. Soto, oh, big time. P. 
people, so, you know, let's face it, Evan, that most bands, not all, but generalizing here a little bit, it's a guy and three or so followers. Yeah. But to keep the band together, you can't ever admit to that. It always has to be this illusion that it's all for one, one for all, and everybody's equal, but it's, it's never that way. So quickly, I could identify who the player, and some bands had two or three, maybe. You know, Mind Over Four was that way. Um, but in in the musician's case, I can usually say, yeah, Todd Trout, 30 years from now, he may have a career and a fam, but you know, he's still going to be playing music. Yeah. And sure enough, he calls me the other night, still playing music. Yeah. And I could tell as soon as I met him, yeah, he's a player. This is in his blood. You can't, you know, strip it out. It doesn't go away. Right, right. You know, it's not, it's not a, a phase. Not a phase. So when I met Jim Monroe, I pegged him also as a player. Like, he's into the music. You probably know he's a drummer. Yeah, Not yeah. just a talented guy behind the board. Um, but right away, I could tell he's one of us, so to speak, in the, his approach uh, to music and, you know, performance issues. And, you know, he's got this droll, dry sense of humor which is how and why they named the Madro Doctrine. Did you ever hear the alternate name? Um, I've heard some, but talk to me. Tell me. Had it not been, because I think Jim was a little taken aback at first, like, well, my name, don't do that. Uh, so I think he shot back. He goes, here's the name. He goes, call it Farside hyphen the other white meat. <laughs> and I said. <laughs> oh, man. Now, now, so a guy like Jim Monroe, great guy, love, love. And still doing with, it, by the way. Oh, totally. And but more kind of one of your contemporaries. How much pride do you have in a guy like Paul Miner? Well, all those guys, immense. Because again, similar to Jim, when I first met Paul with his brother Jim and the first straight they were the first straight edge band I had done. Um, I just again recognized a, a, a a common soul that you know he and i felt and thought the same way about music and again to me he was a player yeah. you know and sure enough here he is 30 years later still doing it you know um because he was one of those guys who at the end of the session the other guys were going home packing up their shit and paul would be like hey man like when you're trying to you know patch over a, a, a bass guitar and you know duck it to the kick drum and like how do you get the gates to set up and what's the attack time and he's like asking me all this shit and i'm like oh yeah you know he's, he's into it there's one of those interns from back then, you maybe don't know him, a fellow named D.B. To this day, he still calls me up every holiday and uh, wants to take me out for dinner just to reminisce and catch up on old times. And he actually went off and got a great career in the film industry. Uh, so he's still working in the creative arts. Uh, but yeah, all those relationships, you know, that uh, we started back then are still intact to this day. And that's really, you know, not to sound too uh, cornball, but that's the greatest reward. Yeah, is having those lifelong um, bonds with those people. Even as I said, the two guys that I met with the other night, I hadn't seen in 30 years or whatever. It was like we hadn't not stopped seeing each other. We were still on the same wavelength, connected right away. So that you can't put a price on. And that's why when I kind of goof on the whole not ever taking a day off, this isn't a job. This isn't work. This is something that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, what can I work on now? This is like fun I'm going to have this to do or that to do and so it's that excitement that keeps people uh, uh, energized and, and feeling good about uh, their place in, in, in life and enjoying what they do and so for you know Paul and, and Jim uh, you know I think they feel the same thing it's it's exciting for them so how, I'm how much of an impact 
because when the pandemic came, I don't know if you <laughs> saw this, I did a little, a tiny documentary on For the Record. I called it a scene stop. But when I came here, there was a guy, one of your guys that's connected to the buildings that does another business. And I was like, hey, is E still here? And he kind of goes, can you describe him? And I described you as best I could. I go, he's always wearing black. And, I, and he goes, oh yeah. I see him come in, I see him come in at night. What was the pandemic like for you being here? Like, how did you operate within that? I kind of break. Uh, just sort of a happy accident, as we call it in musical terms, where uh, for years I had been planning uh, an additional studio in the back of my mind, uh, down by the back bay. and um, Newport. Yeah. And so I knew that it could be a great studio. It had you know, high vaulted wooden ceilings, got great uh, acoustics. Uh, there's no neighbors on three sides. And I had all this high-end audiophile style equipment, which by the way, I did try to install here when I first uh, came to For the Record uh, all those decades ago. I had like really high-end infinity speakers, which are really great sounding, little bookshelves uh, where these Yamahas are now. And band after band would be like, well dude, like, where's your Yamahas? sound like crap we you don't want to yeah 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 we're, we're used to those really okay so i take down the good speakers i put up the shitty speakers okay that's, that's what you want and so i just sort of put the good stuff away but i realized oh that this is my opportunity to use the good high-end equipment and so just coincidentally about three years ago uh one of the singers i work with who happens to do you know floors and tile work i had him come in and redo the floors for me then i had some wiring guys come in and lay all the cabling and all the wires and Step by step, I bought all the gear. You know, I basically duplicated. It's like a mini for the record, essentially. It's got the same equipment, just smaller versions. Um, uh, so I call it E, the record. But it's not set up as a recording studio. This is the recording studio. But when it comes time to editing, fixing, mixing, mastering, I can take all that stuff home and work remotely. Uh, and bada bing, here comes stupid virus. And so I was able to not miss a beat, you know, keep working throughout because I had this now remote setup. <laughs> 